0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 405. Thank you for joining me once again and welcome to to any first-time listeners. We're glad you found us. We hope we turn you into regular listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, how our electricity bills have doubled since we started working and learning from home. We've had our Tesla Model S now for two years, and we're going to share our experiences, the good, the bad, and the brilliant. And the app store economy has rung up more than half a trillion, that's with a T, half a trillion dollars in sales, and we'll tell you the most popular apps. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Espresso display. This is a thin and portable monitor made by Australians. D-Link has has released a new Wi-Fi 6 router and Technics have unveiled its new wire-free earphones. And we're going to answer all of your tech questions as well in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. It's been several months now since coronavirus restrictions have been put into place. March, I think, was the month where gatherings were greatly reduced and people started working from home and uh, students were learning from home as well. So we pretty much didn't leave our homes. We were we had to stay, stay isolated for fear of spreading the virus. So we were told to social distance and all these things, but... The end result though of spending all of that extra time at home has meant that we've used a lot more electricity, 105% more as a matter of fact, which is more than double what we normally use. Now, when you think about it, under normal circumstances, we'd, we'd have our peak periods of electricity, which would be the morning, we're getting ready for work, we're having showers, cooking breakfast getting ready to get out the door and then for most of the day we're either at school or at home or or at work and then in the evening we're back and then we're cooking dinner and having showers and heating the house or doing whatever, whatever we need to do and that's the evening peak there but in since the restrictions have come into place and we're working from home and homeschooling and doing all these things We're not going anywhere. We're using all the electricity. We're staying home, working from home, so we're using our computer, our monitor. The kids are using their computers and laptops and charging the iPads and charging phones. And we're also streaming more content because we're not going to the movies. We're not leaving the house to go to a cinema or to a concert or to meet our mates at the pub. We're staying home. And we're using more electricity when it comes to lighting when it comes to charging our devices, our TVs on longer during the day. And the result is that bills, our electricity bills, our usage, has actually increased by 105%. Now, this was a, a study, of a report put together by Natural Solar, which is Australia's largest solar and battery installer, They collected some data and also did some live monitoring of thousands of homes across Australia. Now, in March 2019, the average household was using 513 kilowatt hours of power per month, which works out at about 16 kilowatt hours per day. Now, fast forward a year to March 2020 at this very start, early days of the coronavirus restrictions, they were in place, so more people working from home, homeschooling, and our energy consumption has rocketed to a 1,052 kilowatt hours a month. Now, in April 2020, we saw another spike. It went up as high as a 1,094 kilowatt hours, which works out to 36 kilowatt hours per day that's more than double our daily power from a year ago. So the message is pretty simple here, if you haven't got your energy bill yet, brace yourself, it is going to be high. And the reason Natural Solar would have put together a report like this was to illustrate the fact that the big winners here are people who have invested in solar panels and battery storage. We've talked we've talked about this on the show many times. I have solar panels. I have a battery and the sun was where I was getting all the energy that I needed. Uh, but unfortunately for people who are using, are at the mercy of the electricity companies and using so much more power that they are going to get a nasty little surprise if they haven't already received their latest bill from the last quarter. Now, the, the quarter that was March, April, May. So March, January, February, March was quarter one. April, May, June is quarter two. So we're getting towards the end of quarter two. Keep an eye out for that bill, which should arrive in a a couple of weeks into July. So i would be keen to hear from you guys about how much, if at all, your electricity bills have gone up. If you've been working from home, homeschooling, then I guarantee it'll be a lot higher than it was a year ago. A lot higher even than the previous quarter. So, uh, something to keep an eye out. To just keep that in mind, uh, and and it could not have come at a worse time for customers because many people were out of work, had their hours reduced. So it was a time where it was pretty tight. It, things were things were tough, and now we're faced with this this onslaught of these enlarged bills. I'm hoping the government may step in and help out a few households who, after being hammered by these restrictions, people that have, weren't able to run their businesses uh, or go to work or, or be fully, to, to have full-time employment, I hope there is some sort of relief that the, the electricity companies can show some kind of compassion, just as, just as we've seen with other parts of, of the economy where we've seen things like rent reduced, fines not enforced or fines halved, things like that where people have been given a bit of a break. On the bill let's hope that that's the case when our electricity bills roll around it's definitely going to be a a lot higher if you have been using working from home if you've set up a home office kids are at home you're at home all the time you're just not out and of course we're using electricity all that time and we're also coming into winter So we are, winter's normally a time where uh, electricity consumption is a bit higher because we've got heaters, electric blankets, so we we are staying warm in our homes and that is going to add to the electricity bill as well. So it could be a double whammy for some customers with the COVID restriction bill hitting them in early July, but then after winter, uh, they're using their normally elevated electricity levels as well. Keep an eye on that. Let us know how you're going. We'd, we'd love to know and we'd love to help you if there is a, a huge bill that you receive. We can put together a bit of a campaign on your behalf so that the government can offer some relief or electricity companies just give you a bit of a discount on this latest bill in in. in in terms of what's just happened, uh, in considering what what we've all gone through, hopefully they can do that. If you want to read that that story uh, and the the natural solar report and see all those stats, and also the option weighing up, possibly in the future, about maybe investing in solar panels, in the long run, you will get your money back. So that's an option as well. But for now, hopefully you're not going to get too high an electricity bill. You can read that story at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. From electricity bills, we're now talking about electric cars and in particular, our Tesla Model S uh, listeners of the show from who have been with us from the start. We've been broadcasting our Tech Guide podcast now. We've been uh, recording regularly for more than eight years now. So if you were listening up to just over two years ago, we would have spoken about the fact that we had just purchased a Tesla Model S. And at that time, actually, we made a video and wrote a story and spoke about on the podcast our top 10 reasons why we bought a Tesla. You can see that video On YouTube, on our Tech Guide channel, you can also see a new video that we've just made uh, reflecting on two years of driving a Tesla Model S. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about it right now. But if you want to see me and see me sitting in my car, showing you all the features and, and all the improvements and all the issues that I've had with the car, not that there were many, but I do speak honestly about my experience. Uh, you can watch that on YouTube as well. But I'm going to tell you about it anyway right here. Uh, the, the Model S we, we, had, uh, we bought on May 31, 2018, so the end of May this year was two years in this car. And there's a lot of things that have changed. Number one thing I'll have to tell you now, the car is a lot better today than it was two years ago. There's not many car manufacturers that can claim that, that their car is actually better, and I mean better in terms of performs better, has more features, and all these extras are are now on board thanks to software updates and improvements. It's remarkable, actually, that a car can get better, like a fine wine, get better with age. And after two years, that's definitely the case with me. Now, let's go through a few of the things. One thing you're going to know about driving an electric car is it is super quiet. It's taken me a while. It took me a while to get used to that fact that people can't hear you when you're driving near them. And this is a particularly a problem in shopping centres. People are looking at their phone, not paying attention. Walk. People have walked out in front of me. They haven't heard me. But, and, and I've had to slow right down. I can't... It, Tooting the horn when someone's in front of you is a little bit aggressive. I've never did that. So I, I could have been behind someone for up to 30 seconds before they realized I was there. Then when they see me, they think, well, they, they get a fright, thinking, how the hell did you get there? They never heard me. So that's something you've got to keep in mind if you are thinking of getting an electric car, uh, and Tesla, of course, being one of the most popular brands here in Australia, you uh, really need to know that people might not be able to hear you when you're approaching. Now, let's talk about running costs. This is a question I get asked, though, how much is it to run the car? Now, I can tell you right now, in two years, I have not spent a single dollar running my car. And I'll tell you why. The reason is because I used a special referral code at the time of purchase, which gave me free supercharging for the life of the car. So any supercharger I can use for free to, to charge my car, which I normally do a supercharge once a week. It's kind of my my weekly, for anyone driving a an ICE car, which is internal combustion engine car, that's like filling your tank up. So you fill your tank once a week, and hopefully that lasts you a while, I fill my tank up, in this case my battery, once a week at a supercharger. The reason I do the supercharger is because it's fast uh, and you can get a full charge. If I'm really low, I get a full charge again in about 40 minutes. And people might think, oh, that's a long time to wait. But what I normally do is I take my laptop and do some work or take my iPad, watch some, watch some, uh, some of my shows. But, Uh, It is is remarkable. I've got this free supercharging. And when I'm not supercharging, I do take advantage of the numerous community charges like car parks, shopping centres, hotels, and I normally charge there for free. Uh, Even when I go to the football, when I watch Souths play at uh, ANZ Stadium, at the P1 car park, there are two Tesla charges, and I'm normally there to claim the first one every home game. And that is also free, although... I pay a parking fee, so I'm assuming that a few dollars out of my ch- parking fee is uh, is paying for that is paying for that park that charge anyway. And in terms of the shopping centres, that's also free because I think it's like a convenient feature they can offer customers. So if you drive an electric car, it is attractive to electric car owners like myself to park in these at these places. If I know that I need to do some shopping, I will choose a shopping centre that has a charger because I'll spend a couple of hours there and spend some money there, so that's an incentive and and good for them and and they absorb the cost of that and I get to charge for free, but I'm spending my money in their shopping centre. So the only money I've spent is on the car, so no running costs. I haven't had a service. I I did book a service in after a year and they asked me how many Ks I'd done. I said it was less than 10,000. They said, well, your brakes are fine and your tyres are fine, so they cancelled my appointment. So coming up, just after two years now, I'm going to just have a a general once-over of the car just to check the tyres, the brakes, the battery, the screen, all that stuff. But the only money I've spent, would you believe, is when I had a flat tyre. I I drove over a screw, and in my driveway, the the, the tyre went flat. And a Tesla, you should know, does not have a spare. So what I did, I had to call roadside assistance and got them to bring a replacement tyre which they did, they fitted it to the car, they took my my tyre away to the nearest service centre who assessed the tyre and said that it is, it, it is repairable. So rather than buying a new tyre that cost several hundred dollars, they said they can repair my existing tyre, which had hardly any wear on it, for 70 bucks. So I said, oh, done deal, and that's what they did. And then when I went back, they fitted my repaired tyre to my car, and that's the only amount of money I've spent, 70 bucks running my car. Now, I've also mentioned that I haven't had any service. I am, though, booking it in for a once-over after two years. That'll be the first maintenance or the first service cash of spent on the car. Now, in terms of charging, I mentioned too, supercharging is sort of what I do. Gets me through about five or six days of driving, depending on how busy my week is. If I've got a lot of long drives, I will charge a couple of times a week. But I do have a home charger as well that I didn't mention earlier. I do have a home charger that is powered through my solar panels. So it's the sun charging my car or through the stored power in my battery. So I'm charging for free at the supercharger, and for free here at home through my through my uh, my solar panel, so my home charger, and through the community charges as well. Now, let's talk about the issues that I've had with the car. There's only been two things, or well, three things if you count the, uh, something else. We'll get to that. But let's let's talk about issues with the car. So things going wrong with the car. There's two things that happen. Number one. The door handle had an issue. Now, if you know the Model S, the Tesla Model S has these: the handles that actually come out of the car and then you open it, you shut the door and then the handles retract into the car. So there's a little motor that powers that. Now, what I had a problem with my rear passenger door. There was an issue with the rear passenger door handle. So the motor was playing up and would act as if someone had pulled the handle. So this little malfunction would open the door as if someone had pulled on the handle, which only ever really happened when I was parked, so it never opened when I was driving. But naturally, this was an issue that I had to get fixed. It was fixed for free under warranty, took a few minutes, has never happened again. The second issue I had was this appearance of a yellow line around the edge of my large central display. Now, what I was told is that this yellow line developed through uncured glue that was used in the display manufacturing process. So what had happened? The glue we, we didn't cure properly, and so left this yellow residue on the inside of the of – the, so left this yellow stain on the edge of the display. It went all around the edges of the screen, so top, bottom, left and right. So what, what Tesla has done, this was a common problem by the way, not just not just exclusive to me. A lot of other drivers had this same issue. So what Tesla did, they developed a UV tool, an ultraviolet tool that attaches to the display and actually bleaches the screen clean again. It actually got rid of that yellow ring. So it focused UV light on that yellow stain and got rid of it. It was as good as new after a couple of hours. So rather than spending thousands of dollars to replace my screen, which I was entitled to under the the eight year warranty that came with the car, they developed this tool and they saved a lot of costs by having the ability to get rid of that stain rather than having to replace all the screens. So really smart move on Tesla's part. Now I did mention another issue, but this wasn't my fault. I did have an accident in my car. And again, not my fault. I was driving along in my Tesla, and it was along a fairly narrow road. A guy that was parked by the side of the road decided to open his door the very second I was passing his car. And what a result was, he smashed my passenger side mirror, and the door then scraped all down the side, the passenger side of the car. And his excuse was, he couldn't hear me. I thought, well, you are allowed to use your eyes as well, mate, before you get out of your car. But you know what? The damage was already done, but he he, he accepted responsibility. And I was pretty depressed that my four-month-old car had been involved in an accident. So... It did, though, open my eyes to the repair process when it comes to a Tesla. Tesla has to be repaired by an authorized repairer. In other words, a repairer that knows the process of repairing Tesla panels. And what Tesla does, they don't repair panels, they replace them. So there's no panel beating going on. They had to wait for the parts to arrive, panels to be welded into place, precision welding involved. So it took, I thought just replacing panels would speed up the process. I was wrong. What happens, this this process is so precise that it did take a little while to get it right. So anyway, end of the day, the car was repaired, and what they also had to do before they could give it back to me was to send it to Tesla on the back of a flatbed truck. Then at Tesla, they had to they had to reconfigure, uh, uh, re-jig re, uh, the sensors, so they had to do a bit of a check to make sure that all the sensors were synchronised and recalibrated, and then it was returned to me about five weeks after the accident, which might sound like a long time, but that's actually short, Compared to what I've heard, I've heard other stories where Tesla repair jobs have taken months to to, to complete. I'm talking two or three months uh, to 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 repair, rather than the few the few the five weeks that it took me. Now let's talk about. We've talked about the issues. We talked about what happened with an accident. But let's finish on the on a good note here about all the extra features the car now has since the, in the two years that I've owned the car. And I also had, I paid for enhanced autopilot about six months after I had the car. I, I paid for enhanced autopilot, which gave me the auto steer, gave me uh, smart parking. It also gave me, gave me auto parking, gave me summon, and also gave me smart summon, which was a result of an update as well. So, auto steer, the car drives itself on clearly marked roads, can accelerate, decelerate depending on the traffic. It also had Summon, which allowed me to move the car with my phone. That was like performing a magic trick. People were fascinated with that. I can move my car in and out of a car spot with my phone. And the other more recent update was Smart Summon, which allows me to get my car. rather than If I come out of a car park, into a car park from a shopping center, rather than me walking to my car, I can get my car to come to me. Now, this is still in beta, and I would not in a million years try it in a busy car park, but it has worked when there's no one in the car park, when it's relatively empty. There's a little bit of traffic around, but it has worked. At my golf club, where it worked just, just today. I was to have, it took my parents out for lunch, and my wife as well, and I said, yeah, just wait here. We'll get the car to come to us. And I, I used smart to through the Tesla app, and the car backed out of the parking spot and indicated... And then drove to to where I was standing. And it was fun. My parents were fascinated. My wife was laughing. It was quite a a funny thing. But you know what? Such an amazing feature. Imagine if it was raining. The car could pick me up instead of me having to run through the rain. Truly remarkable. Still a bit of work to go on it, though. It's still in beta. But uh, just exciting that this feature could be added to your car through a software update. Absolutely remarkable. Uh, the other improvement, too, to enhanced autopilot was a new feature called Navigate on Autopilot. And what this allows you to do, if you've got enhanced autopilot, you, you've already got autopilot, but Navigate on Autopilot means if you've got a, if you've got a destination uh, in, in, on your system and you're driving towards it in autopilot, the car is making all the decisions. It is navigating. So it knows where you're going, so it will put you in the right lane when you need to switch freeways and switch freeways for you. It will also indicate when you're up, coming up to your exit and take you into that exit. So it's basically chauffeuring you along the journey. Absolutely incredible. Enhanced Autopilot, it fascinates me every time I use it. But these extra features just blow me away, the fact that these can be added to the car. Speaking of being added to the car, the other new features that that were added recently were the ability to turn all the cameras, the front-facing cameras in particular, into dash cams. That That was fantastic for drivers who never had a dash cam, but I'd already invested in a black view dash cam, which is 4K from the front camera, full HD in the rear camera, so I was okay for the dash cam. But it was the sentry mode that I also took advantage of, which records incidents around your car. So someone passes by your car, the side repeaters, those little cameras facing down the side of the car, they record these events. And often I come back to my car and it says, yeah, there was uh, four events that occurred near your car. And I can then view them on on the uh, hard, the, the solid state drive that I've uh, connected to the car that can accept all these recordings. Now you may remember, a woman was caught red-handed keying a Model 3, a Tesla Model 3, in a car park in Australia here, and Sentry Mode caught her red-handed, made headlines around the world. And since that day, I have used Sentry Mode all the time. Since And every time I park my car, Sentry Mode is keeping an eye on things. So if anything untoward happens around your car, you've got video evidence if, there, if, if you need to use it, which is good to know. The other modes that have been included, and a couple of fun ones here, dog mode. So if you want to keep your dog in the car, the car will regulate the temperature and also display on the screen that everything's okay My master will be returning soon. I'm quite comfortable. Thank you. So no one's going to break your windows if they see your dog in the car. The other updates too have been for the onboard games. Uh, The games have improved. There's even new games there. Backgammon, Lander, you name it. Uh, And also some new applications. So you can still do things like use the screen as a sketch pad. Uh, There's also a way to turn the, the turn signals and make them fart noises, which is quite funny. Tesla's got a bit of a sense of humor there. But all in all, I've got to say, I am really, really satisfied with the decision I made two years ago to buy the car. One of the smartest things I did, and I'll never, ever drive an ICE, an internal combustion engine car, and I I will go electric from now on, whether it's Tesla or another electric car model that comes around. But Tesla, I have to say, have done an amazing job in keeping the car updated, improved, and always is surprising and delighting me with all these new features. It's been truly remarkable. Not many other companies can say that. If you want to read more about my experiences after two years in my Tesla, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now, I'm sure you use apps uh, and you probably buy things through apps. And I'm, I'm talking things like, you know, you might, whether it's a, a retailer. A retailer might have an app. You might purchase something on your phone. That's called M-Commerce, mobile commerce. You may have also uh, ordered food. You might have used Uber Eats, especially during lockdown restrictions. Uber Eats business went through the roof. You might have gone through Deliveroo or whatever one you choose. You might have used Uber. You might have used Lyft wh- back when you couldn't. And, and, and these figures I'm about to talk about in the App Store economy uh, for 2019. you Back in 2019, remember when we used to travel? Remember that? Well, travel apps also very popular. So this is a fascinating story because the App Store ecosystem is just huge. And it's got it made in 2019, 519 billion dollars. That's half a trillion dollars. Just it's just gigantic this app economy. And by the way, the, all that money does not go all directly to Apple. They get uh, more than 85 percent of that 519 billion went to third party developers and online businesses of all sizes so apple still gets a solid clip of the ticket but more than 85% goes to these third party developers and businesses but what are the apps that were the most popular the most popular apps were for when people were purchasing physical goods and services so in other words uh, there were there were apps that represented bricks and mortar stores or you could book some something through the app and it it, it could be delivered to you so physical goods so something you can touch and hold and services as well that were delivered through an app a retailer app a standalone app that alone generated four hundred and thirteen billion dollars so shopping physical goods and services next on the list were digital goods and services and i'm talking about things like music music services music streaming services fitness ebooks audiobooks netflix all these services through apps dating services they accounted for 61 billion dollars now of the uh, the ride sharing apps uber and lyft generated 40 billion in sales globally food delivery apps 31 billion boy we were hungry in 2019 and the of of the of the 45 billion they that that also came through in app advertising so 45 billion just through in app advertising and 44% of that came from gaming apps still the most popular app out there so in game advertising 44% of the $45 billion came from there as well. Now, it's going to be really interesting. The study that the, that that all those figures came from was for 2019. So imagine what the figures are going to look like in 2020 because we use more of these apps. A lot of stores were closed. We couldn't go there physically. We had to go through the app. We couldn't go to a restaurant. We had to order in. Uber Eats, Deliveroo, Menu Log, you name it. They had bigger business than ever, so you can just imagine what these figures are going to look like in a year's time. We also had to use apps to use keep in touch with people through social media. We also had to use apps for education and business collaboration and remote learning and working. So this app economy is huge, not just for the stuff we buy, but also for the things we do. And it is it's hard to believe that the app store had only has only opened in 2008 so it's only a 12 year journey here but already more than half a trillion dollars in sales. and the app stores actually has host hosts more than 2 million apps and visited by half a billion people each week across 175 countries. No wonder they're spending so much money. If you want to take a closer look at that story, see all those figures for yourself, they are real, I'm not joking. Check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, is your Wi-Fi feeling old? Does it buffer while streaming or does connecting new devices slow everything down? Can you handle gaming? video calls and large file transfers and, God forbid, What happens when you try to do all that at once? Well, it doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is if your Wi-Fi router is old and outdated. With the Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear, your Wi-Fi will feel new again. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest technology that allows more devices to connect and stream simultaneously without impacting speed or reliability. Stream in HD, 4K, even 8K without buffering. You can eliminate lag while gaming, connect more devices to your Wi-Fi than ever, Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is like upgrading your Wi-Fi to first class. If you're, uh, if you're ready for Netgear's best Wi-Fi ever, you can get it today from Netgear and never worry about Wi-Fi again. Check out Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 at netgear.com.au forward slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. Come on. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. I'm very excited about the review this week. Uh, Our first review, that's the Espresso Display. Now, this is a thin and portable monitor. Now, they're two words you don't normally use to describe a monitor, but they're the only two words we can describe the Espresso Display. This is an Australian creation, by the way. Espresso Display was uh, founded by two Aussie guys, and they actually went through the crowdfunding platform Indiegogo, easily reached their target and went into production, and the Espresso Display is the result that we'll be able to get our hands on in the next week or so. Once we hit July, I think that's when the first shipments will be going out to customers. Now, what is it? The Espresso Display is a portable monitor. It's available in two sizes, 13.3-inch, 15.6-inch, and has full high-definition resolution, so it's 1920 by 1080. It's also a touchscreen, and it is just 5 millimeters thick. So that's thinner than an iPad. Now, what happens here, this is the sort of product that can really be a game changer if you're working on the move no one would ever in a million years think i'm going to pack another monitor when i go out today that'll help me be more productive because it's impossible monitors are meant for to sit on a desk they're not meant to travel with you but not so with the espresso display it's thin it's light and fits into your backpack right next to your laptop now there's a there's a way to stand it up with a cover so you can fold the cover like an iPad cover and it creates a, a stand for it. You can also pay a little bit extra and get a little metallic stand that has, that magnetically attaches to the, the display and it folds down to the size of a CD case when you're not using it. So you can even take that around with you. And if you want to set it up a bit more permanently, it does also come with a Visa mount as well. So if you've got a Visa mount arm on your desk, it'll slot into that as well. Now, it is naturally meant to connect either a Windows laptop or a Mac laptop to extend your screen real estate. So it's like having two screens instead of one. Now, being able to spread out your work on a laptop is a godsend when you're on the move. and. I'm sitting here now in my studio and I've got an iMac in front of me and two other screens. So I've got three screens in total because I do like to see stuff. I've got one open with my mail. I've got one open with my calendar. I'm sharing a screen with TweetDeck and all these other things going on at the same time. And I do like to spread out my work if I'm editing a video or writing a story or editing a photo. I do like to have plenty of screen real estate so I can do it in comfort. Or if I'm referring to another document, I often have an email open or a a document open notes open when I'm writing my stories and reviews, being able to have that comfortably on two screens is a, is a real chain, game changer for me. I'm sure there's other people like graphic designers and other uh, video editors and photo editors that would love to have this of luxury on the move. Well, now they can. Being able to spread out your work and, and just expand that screen real estate is amazing. Now, what how, how it works, there's two USB-C ports and a mini HDMI port on the right-hand side of the Espresso display. And the good news is when it's connected to your laptop, you don't even need a power source for the display. It draws its power from the laptop. So you, all you need to do is put up a stand, USB-C to USB-C, and you've got a second display. One thing to note, though, if you are in that scenario, it will run your battery down on your laptop faster because you've got to think about it. Your laptop is powering not only its own screen, but suddenly it's powering a second screen as well. So that does have a, a noticeable impact on your battery. Uh, you probably need to keep your charger handy so you can uh, plug it in if the battery gets low or better still, keep it plugged into power uh, and, and and you can you can get away with it. Not, not that the battery is going to run out in five minutes, but just know that it will use power faster when the display is connected than not being connected. Now, the other bonus here too, if, especially if you're a MacBook user, is that, remember I mentioned this is a touchscreen so there is a driver you can install to make Espresso display when it's connected to your MacBook into a touchscreen that's compatible with a Mac. So imagine being able to use Safari and all these Mac applications, if you scroll through your email, just by touching the screen. Mac Apple don't have a touchscreen MacBook and probably never will because they want you to buy an iPad Pro. Being able to do that, that is a huge, huge feature for Mac users suddenly turning your MacBook Pro into a touchscreen, which is, that could really change the way your workflow could change a lot of things. So this is, when you're using a laptop, it's a no-brainer. It is such a good feature. It's such a good thing to have with you. And as I said, fits in your backpack right beside your laptop. The other thing you can do too is connect it to things like gaming consoles. So you might want to connect it to a Nintendo Switch, an Xbox, a PlayStation. You will need to find power though. And in the case of the PlayStation, I'll use that as the example, you can connect to from the uh, HDMI port on the PlayStation to the mini HDMI on the display. You can also then connect USB-A USB to USB-C to power the device straight from the PlayStation. You know how you can charge your, your controllers through the USB port on the PlayStation? It'll be able to charge this display, keep it on while you're connected to the PlayStation. Now, in the case of using it with, say, a Blu-ray player, you'll need to find a power source. So probably the best thing would be would be a MacBook or Windows laptop power supply. So while your Blu-ray player's got power, the screen would need power as well. Even though they're connected through HDMI, it's not going to send the power through HDMI. You will need a power supply. It also works with phones. So if you want to use your phone... You still would need, in the case of say like a Samsung Galaxy Note phone, which has and all the later Galaxy devices that have Dex, Dex actually will uh, will work USB C to USB C Dex. It's like having a, a a desktop computer system running through your phone. You'll need to you need to connect a Bluetooth speaker, uh, sorry Bluetooth keyboard and Bluetooth mouse to get full operability there. But it is again this another solution for you to turn your Samsung phone into a desktop computer just by pulling out the Espresso display. Now, what about iPhone, I hear you ask. The best you can do with an iPhone is to screen mirror. Reason for this is that lightning is the road stop here. That's the roadblock where you do need to have a USB-C to lightning connection, but then you also need, no, so you need to connect to the phone lightning to HDMI, and then you need to use a, a hub to connect the HDMI. Then you also need to connect power uh, through, the, through the USB-C. It is very complicated, but you can still achieve a screen mirror with your phone. It won't extend your iPhone's or iPad's desktop space. So all in all, I think, it, it, look, this is meant for laptop use on the go, if that's you, if you're working a lot on the go and you would dream of having more screen space, the Espresso Display can do it for you. It's going to be available in the two sizes, so it's going to be $399 for the Display 13, 429 for the 15, uh, and expect it in the next week or so. It is, it is brilliant. This is such a versatile product. And if you're a busy user on the go, you're going to think Christmas has come early with the Espresso display. If you want to read our full review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Alrighty, well, D-Link has come up with a new router. This is a Wi-Fi 6 router. We spoke earlier during the Netgear uh, com- uh, advertisement earlier where how new and how f- much faster Wi-Fi 6 can be. Uh, what, what Wi-Fi 6 enables are more faster and more reliable wireless connectivity. And that's what D-Link has included with the DIR-X1560. It can handle up to four 4K streams at the same time and also handle fast online gaming. So there's a number of features to improve the throughput to devices. So, uh, so the throughput to devices, that's the speed at which Wi-Fi can connect that can increase by up to 25% using this new router from D-Link. It's got built-in power amplifiers, also includes beam forming, so it improves the range and strength of your network. And it can also increase your Wi-Fi speed up by up to 38%. That's a lot. Now, it also has MU-MIMO, which is multiple user, multiple in, multiple out technology. So in other words, You can stream a lot, a lot of people can do a lot at the same time. So it's multiple users, multiple in, multiple out. It is like a a, a super highway through this thing in terms of the bandwidth you get in your home. Uh, Also has the capacity to split a channel into four sub channels to reduce the congestion on your network. That's what gets you into trouble. If there's congestion, you're running an older router or there's an old device on your router, it kind of because it sort of goes through one at a time. It can slow things down. Wi-Fi 6 gets around that, so it is backwards compatible. If your device isn't Wi-Fi 6, it'll still it is still backwards compatible. But if your device is Wi-Fi 6, you're on a winner. Like if you've got a, a laptop or a smartphone you bought within the last year or two they've probably got Wi-Fi 6 on board and you're off to the races, that that's where you'll see that up to 38% speed increase. So if you are if you are looking at expanding your wireless network and you don't have a massive house, if you want to expand it, say, a single-storey house or you might have a townhouse or a smaller like apartment, this would do the trick to improve on the Wi-Fi of your, say, your NBN router. Often the, the modem router, the NBN supplies, whatever provider you're with, the, the modem part's great, but the Wi-Fi part, not so good. This is a good example of a product you can add to that that will improve your wireless coverage in your home. If you want to read more about the D-Link DX. DIR X1560, it is priced at $249.95. It's available now if you're listening in New Zealand, it's $279.99 New Zealand dollars as well. D Link looks after New Zealand and Australia, uh, and I thought I'd mention both of those in case there's anyone from uh, New Zealand listening. Hope, hope, you, hope you're doing well. The D Link DIR X1560 for $249.95 in Australia, $279.99 in New Zealand. And if you want to read more about it and see it, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, Technics is a brand we know very well. And when you think of Technics, you probably think turntables or older audio systems. They're they're sort of one of those iconic brands that are actually owned by Panasonic that have had compact disc players and and compact audio systems and uh, bookshelf speaker systems and things like that. It's not generally a name you associate with wireless earphones, but that's about to change. They've just released the EAH-AZ70W. These are their true wireless earphones. So you can take that Technics audio quality out of the house. Anyone who's familiar with the Technics brand, if they are a customer, they're normally inside listening to a system rather than taking something out with them to hear their music. Now, in this case, these are compact earphones. They've got a really nice design. They include the Technics logo on this uh, the spun metal control plate on the outside. They'll actually look quite sleek. They've got a rounded body and offer a comfortable fit, even if you're wearing them for hours at a time. That actually comes from Technics looking at a lot of 3D ear data. Because our ears are different, apparently. Like, ears are like fingerprints. No, no two ears are the same. So what, what Technics has done is looked at a lot of the 3D data to ensure the design will suit everyone so it's optimized with the correct angles and lengths of the sound ports and things like that so that it's not a, they try to find a one-size-fits-all that will fit most ear shapes or all ear shapes, they hope. The earphones also have an IPX4 rating, which means they're splash-proof. So feel free to use these in the gym, on a run, in the rain, they're going to be okay. Now, what drives these things? They've got 10 millimeter drivers, that's quite large, so they deliver this really beautiful wide soundstage and really satisfying deep bass as well. They've also got a graphene-coated diaphragm that helps reduce vibration. So you're not getting any distortion. You're hearing this clear, crisp sound. Now, these are also noise cancelling as well. And what happens, it uses two systems of microphones to detect the ambient sound and use a combination of digital and analog processing to cancel the noise inside and outside of your ear. But if you do want to hear the outside world, they do have ambient mode. So you can just touch, tap on the on the sensor on the outside. So in case you want to hear your flight being called when we go back to flying again, you want to hear the traffic around you maybe when you're on a road run. So just for safety reasons, it's good, good to know what's going on around you rather than being completely sealed off from the outside world. But when you're on a bus, a train, a plane, the noise cancellation is what you want. It is going to cancel all, all that ambient noise. So all you get is the whatever content you happen to be listening to in that high quality. Now, what they've also got on board here is a robust Bluetooth connection. There have been issues with some cheaper earphones when there's a lot of Bluetooth signal about. Them. So, if you're on a train and every second person's got Bluetooth earphones on, it could be an instance there where there is a lack of quality and there are even some interference where you lost signals and you lose connection and things like that. But what what uh, what techniques have done here, they've put this their the antenna. they've located it just outside or just inside the touch sensor so it's in a better position and creates this improved connection stability. So they've thought of everything. There's also left-right independent signaling system that delivers the correct sound balance as well between the left and right channels no matter where you are. Now, This thing can also uh, help you make your phone calls too because there is an onboard microphone and not just any onboard microphone. It has what they call a labyrinth cabinet structure and what that does is reduce wind noise and improve the noise cancellation. It also has beam-forming technology that can lock onto your voice so you can be heard really clearly so your phone calls are as crisp as the music you're listening to. It also has support for voice Assistant, Siri or Google Assistant. Amazon Alexa can be activated with the Alexa mobile app. But later this year, Alexa will also be accessible through the earphones, touch sensors as well. There'll probably be a firmware update through the Technics companion app and you'll be able to update that as well. Now, battery-wise, you're going to get about 6.5 hours of use, and the charging case that comes with it can also provide a further 19.5 hours of use there as well. The Technics EAH, AZ70W, that's a mouthful, the true wireless earphones, they're going to go on sale in mid-July, and they're going to be priced at $449. These are sort of your your AirPods Pro, probably better than AirPods Pro, up with those other brands, Sennheiser, and all those other brands that are in this ballpark. That's the sort of quality you're going to get. If you want to take a look at the Technics earphones for yourself, check it out at TechGuide.com. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. Uh, They're the company that can protect you and your family online. And we live in a world where we're constantly connected. Cyber attacks more prevalent than ever. There are phishing scams and ransomware online predators and big data tracking our every move. And it hasn't been more apparent since the coronavirus restrictions. Cyber threats have evolved even in this time, which is why Norton has too. The new Norton 360 gives you next level protection combining the power of device security and a secure VPN to help keep you and your family safe and private online. The new Norton 360 is all-in-one protection for your devices and online privacy. It's available now at leading retailers or au.norton.com. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Got Help Desk is brought to you by Belkin. They're the company if you want some cables, a charger, plenty of solutions there for you. Belkin.com forward slash AU is where to go. Now, today we had a couple of questions. One was an interesting one from a reader asking how to watch their content. So they've got Netflix on their iPad but want to watch it on their TV. I don't think their TV is a smart TV. Very simple solution. Uh, you can use a Chromecast. So if you could buy a Chromecast, you can then cast from your phone to your television. But the other part of the question puzzled me a little bit because they said I have some downloaded shows, so you know you can download to the device's memory off Netflix, so you can watch it like on a plane or whatever. And they said, look, i got they've got downloaded content. They want to they want to watch it on their Apple uh, their iMac. And the, I said, well, just log into your net your Netflix account on your iMac and download it there or watch or stream it. That's a pretty simple solution. I don't know whether they've got the Netflix on their iMac, but if they've got it on their phone, surely they can get it on their iMac. Anyway, that, that was an easy one to answer. The other question I had, and this is kind of related, uh, there was a, a gentleman who asked me, uh, they, they do own some TVs, but they're not smart TVs. And he said, look, I want to be able to watch Netflix and use some apps and do these things. How do I do it? Now, the answer to that question, there are a few answers here. You can do things like maybe buy like an Android box that has Google Play Store. So it's kind of like having Android on your TV. So you can go in, connect it up, connect it to your Wi-Fi, download Netflix and all these apps you want to use as if it's like on your phone. That's one solution. And it costs, I think, about $150 to $200 to buy an Android box. The other answer, though, and maybe cheaper, is to buy a Blu-ray player. A lot of Blu-ray disc players have Wi-Fi on board, but they also have a, like a smart platform on them as well. So when you're connected to the Blu-ray player, they'll, they'll have Netflix and the ability for you to download these other apps within that little platform so that it kind of turns your TV into a smart TV. And Blu-ray players are cheap now. They're up about $150. I've seen them as cheap as $99, and they have the ability to turn your old, dumb TV, let's call it, into a smart TV thanks to that platform and the player's built-in Wi-Fi connectivity. Because you need a connection, of course, and the, the players have that. I've seen others that they're average about 150 bucks. whether you want to buy a Panasonic, an LG, a Sony. They have these capabilities. So if you are stranded without a smart TV, that is the way to make it smart. we've come to the end of our show for this week that went really fast for us so hopefully it did for you too as well everything we've spoken about on the show you can find of course at techguide.com.au and if you want to get in touch with us we'd love to hear from you info at techguide.com.au or reach out on Twitter I'm at Stephen Fennec and that's Stephen spelled with a PH the only proper way you can spell Stephen And also, leave us a review if you're loving the show. We'd love to get a five-star review on on Apple's podcast app. So please, we'd love to hear from you. Show us your support. Give us a five-star rating. We'll even read out your five-star rating if you do it on the next show. Uh, A special thanks too to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the sponsors that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.